Welcome to the New City Fellowship West End Sermon Podcast. We hope and pray this message equips, empowers, and encourages you. And now, today's sermon. Now, normally what we do this time of year is uh, we begin with our core values, and we're going to do that in a couple weeks. We're going to start that. But uh, over the last couple of years, uh, one of the things we've done at the beginning of the year is kind of start off with a, a... honestly, a passage that the Lord will bring to my mind, um, I think, as he's guiding us in that next year. And last year, um, that passage, you remember, it was from Jeremiah chapter 1. It was Jeremiah's calling. And uh, one of the things in there that God had had placed in my heart around those verses was particularly in our facing outward in our community. And there were some things in there that we prayed and we continue to pray. Right, those verbs in, in uh, Jeremiah 1, um, that he would pluck up and break down and overthrow and destroy, and that he would build and plant. And we continue to do that now. Even as our brother shares, this, these are the kind of things that we pray that he would pluck up and break down and overthrow and destroy. I don't know about you, but I'm sick of the enemy taking the life of people that are made in the image and likeness of God. He has no right to do that. Anyway, this is a passage that came to mind actually as I was thinking and 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 I'll explain some of the context of why this one um, in a little while, but just to set the context before I read this passage, um, first Ezekiel, I don't know how many of y'all read Ezekiel, but it's like, it's wild. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Apocalyptic literature. And actually, as you get into that story, actually, I think many of us would identify with their situation because you go back and you look at them and it's a suffering people. Ezekiel is ministering actually in a time of exile. And so the people have been taken away. When he was, I don't know, teenager, maybe 20, same age as, as some of you guys that are in this room. He's taken away. And his ministry begins when he's about 30 years old. And where we're picking up is years later when he's about 50. Um, but his people have been taken into captivity. They know what it's like to, to be taken from home and have everything that they that they live for taken away. And in many of their cases, it was honestly because of their own sin, because of their own uh, idolatry against God. And so in God's discipline, they were taken away into captivity. But there are many faithful people who, who were following God, and yet they still suffered that same fate. And Ezekiel is a part of that. And so Ezekiel is a prophet. What do you think of when you think of a prophet? You're like somebody that tells the future. Right. But but maybe it's not so much they're foretelling. Really what they're doing, we might call it forth telling. And what I mean by that is they're telling what God is telling them to go tell those people. Go and say God's word and what he means. And in Ezekiel, in chapter eight, chapters eight through 11, there's this great vision of the temple and the temple is emptied. And destroyed. And, and in one of those chapters, it says the Lord's presence leaves that temple. And that was an illustration showing them what was happening because of their idolatry. 
But then when you get to this section where we're in, from chapters 40 all the way to 48, all of a sudden there's a new temple. And God is bringing life in that place again. And his presence comes in that place again. And when we're going to pick it up is the influence of God coming and bringing renewal to that land. So the theme I'm just taking right from the, the passage, it's called, I'm going to call it the river of life. The river of life. Oh, that's a river we need to be flowing down our streets, isn't it? It's a river we need to be flow, have flowing in our own lives. It's a river of life. So let me pick up with verse 1. Here now the reading of God's word. It says, then he brought me back to the door of the temple. And behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. Can you all picture this scene of what's happening? Verse 3. Going on eastward with the measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits and then led me through the water, and it was ankle deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was knee deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was waist deep. Again, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass through, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish. For this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside the sea. From Engedi to Inaglaim, it will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh, there to be left for salt. And on the banks, on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month, because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. This is God's word. Let's go to God together in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, please help us understand what in the world is going on here and the great message that you're communicating, not just to your people then, but to your people now. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence in this place. Have your way in us. Lord, bring healing. Lord, again, again, Lord, there's pain and suffering in this body. Again, 
And so, Lord, we, we look to you. We look to your presence to help, help us and help your people now. Holy Spirit, minister to us. Help us understand these words. And, Lord, we pray that you'd fill us with power. Fill us with yourself so we can leave this place different people than when we came in. That we would be able to leave, not just knowing what you call us to, but being empowered to do it through the power of your Holy Spirit. Help us to do it, Lord. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. So this is a wild passage, isn't it? So you really, you kind of, this is a part where when Jesus says to be childlike, that's where it's really helpful. To be able to use our imaginations. To be able to picture this scene that's being portrayed before us. So again, all right, how did I get to this passage? So one of the things that I do is, is walk around on the streets in the neighborhood, and I, and I was praying those things. And um, as I was walking, I started to get this image coming in my mind. Now let me say, all right, I am not saying it was thus says the Lord, all right? Don't bring me up on charges, okay? None of that stuff. But what I'm saying is that there was something that I think God put in my mind as I'm walking up these streets and praying about our neighborhood. I started to picture in my mind, like a tidal wave coming down the streets and not bringing a flood in a bad sense, but a tidal wave coming down the streets, filling the streets and then going into the houses and, and going down each street and just flowing there and going down and, and bringing cleansing and life and all these things to people. So I was like, Lord, what is, what is that? What is that about? And one day as I was walking by here and praying, it was like... I. I saw, I got this other picture of water coming out from under this building and going out and flood and, and, and being a tidal wave again, going down all of the streets and in every home and in people's lives and in every building, again, bringing life and power and vitality in all of those places. And then it happened to be in, the, in, my, in my year Bible when we were reading through Ezekiel and I came up to this passage and I was like, that's it. At least that's what I'm going to preach about the first Sunday of the year. You know? <laughs> right? That's it. It's, it's this idea of this. Uh, well, let's get into the past. Because really, I'm like, I got to make sure, Pastor Ann, this wasn't just my imagination that I was thinking about. So I need y'all to help me now. Is this just some figment of my imagination? Or is there really something here for us that applies for us? So I need y'all to help me. All right? Can you do that? Can you help me understand? So what I want to do, let's look at this vision, this wild vision. And I just want to ask a few questions. Like, What does this mean? And let's see what the passage says about that. And then I want us to think about what does it mean for the original audience? And then finally, I want us to think about what does it mean for us? Right? Is, so is that all right? Can you all help me? All right. I want to make sure I'm not off, so I need your help. So let's start at the very beginning of the passage. And one of the first things that it shows us is the source of this river, this river of life. What, what do y'all think the source is? Or who's the source? Or what's the source? What do you think? You want to go with God. That's always a good answer, right? What do you think? But, but we always say that. Let's, let's look and see. Let's, let's go to the passage. Verse 1. It says, he... And the he that he's talking about, you got to go back to chapter 40. And Ezekiel sees in this vision this bronze man. Can you imagine that? This bronze man shows up. And he's, lead, he's a tour guide for Ezekiel, leading him through this temple. And so now he shows up again in verse 1. He brought me back 
to the door of the temple and behold, can you look to your neighbor and say, behold. behold. Now, why, why am I bringing that up? Because when it says that there, it's like the, the Ezekiel is saying, wait, wait, hold up. Something's not right here. Take a look at this. Hold on, hold on. And so it says here, he looks and he says, behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the temple faced east. And he says, the water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple south of the altar. And so that's an unusual sight. That's why Ezekiel is like, hold on, what's going on? This isn't normal. What does this mean? So let's go to verse 2 and see if we can learn a little bit more. Verse 2. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east. And, oh, there it is again. Behold. Can you tell your neighbor again? Behold. What is it that he wants him to behold? And it says here at the end, the water was trickling out on the south side. So what is going on? Right? What is he talking about? What does it mean when water trickles out? You can put up that picture just to show you. That's kind of what it means, right? You need to turn the faucet off all the way. That's water. But that's not a great deal of water, is it? It's a little bit of water, but it's coming out. And he says, behold, look at these things. He's wanting us to see something, the source of the temple. Or, or the source of the water, excuse me, in the temple. And the source is, Pastor Anthony was right, the source is God. There's no other explanation for where this water could have come from. Because they didn't have plumbing and all that stuff in the temple. This is where it, it, it's coming from God. So that's the source. All right, let's keep going. Second, let's look at the size of the river. Remember, I just showed you that picture. What was it? It's just a little what? just a trickle, right? That's it. You say, Pastor, what are you, what are you talking about a river? It's, it's a trickle. Well, let's look and see what happens. Verse 3. Verse 3, it says, going on eastward with the measuring line in his hand. This is the bronze man with Ezekiel. The man measured a thousand cubits, and he led me through the water. And look at it now. It's how deep is it? It's ankle deep. So can you picture that? He's going out in the water, and it comes up to about your ankles. So, so then it, it goes on. It's, it's growing a little bit, isn't it? From a trickle, so now it's ankle deep. Verse 4, again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and now how deep is it? It's, it's knee deep. Uh-oh, it's growing a little bit now. All right, but then he says in the verse again, verse 4, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and how deep is it? It's, it's waist deep. Now, uh-oh, it's getting deeper, isn't it? Verse 5. Again, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass through, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? So did you see what happened? How did it start again? It was with a, a trickle, and then it got to be what? Ankle deep. Then it was, then it's waist deep, and then it got to be deep, deep. Right? It's like mob deep or something like that, right? It's super deep. How did that happen? God. That's right. You got it again. Y'all, I can't fool you. Isn't that wild? Again, it starts with just a trickle, isn't it? But then all of a sudden, you got a, a great river. That's the size of it. 
All right, let's, let's keep going. Third, the last thing we want to look at, look at the power, the saving power, right? So first we looked at the source. The source is God. We looked at the size. It's starting with a trickle. Now it's a full-blown river. Now what is the saving power? Now, y'all, this blows your mind. Look at verse, second part of verse 6. Then he led me back to the bank of the river, verse 7. As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he's going to explain that a little bit later. But can you picture that now? Can you picture what's going on? He sees these trees. Now, let's get to verse 8. Now it's really going to get crazy. Look at verse 8. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea. Do y'all know what sea he's talking about there? Not the Red Sea, it's the Dead Sea. He's talking about the Dead Sea. And why do you think they call it the Dead Sea? Because <laughs> everything dead in there. And, and why would that be? If you go back, I was looking up, I got some facts because I, I knew I might have some geologists or something in here. So I wanted to make sure I had my stuff together. So I was looking to see why, why does there, the, the, there not any water there? So he said, well, there's a few different reasons. One, it's, it's 1,300 feet below sea level. It's one of the deepest, I mean, the lowest places in all the world. And then there's this salt concentration that's super high. And in normal water, right, bodies of water, it's like 4%. But can you guess how much is in the Dead Sea? What did you say, 70? Not quite 70. But it's like 25, ooh, 25 to 35% of it is the salt mineral. And so what do you think it does to all the living things that are in that water? It kills it. Yeah. And it's no outlet. Right, somebody had said that. There's no outlet there, and, and there's no, what do you call them, tributaries for it to run off. And so that's why they call it the Dead Sea, because everything in there is dead. Do we have any fishermen in the house? Have you ever been fishing in the Dead Sea? Good. You don't want to go there, because you're not going to catch anything, unless you're part of this vision. Because look at what happens in verse 8. This is wild. So it enters the sea, the Dead Sea. But look at what happens, y'all. When the water flows into the sea, what does it do? The water will become fresh. Do you catch what happened? When the river that, that originated in the temple flows into the Dead Sea, all of a sudden the Dead Sea becomes the living sea. It becomes healthy. It becomes well. Do you believe that? Isn't that amazing? And so look at what, look at the impact. Look at verse 9. It says, wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish. Now, Ezekiel's people reading that, they're like, man, this reminds me of Genesis. One where the, the swarms of fish and all these things. And it's, it's saying this is going to happen again, but in the Dead Sea. For this water goes there. That the waters of the sea may become fresh. And you know, I forgot to say that word that's translated fresh. There's another way you can translate it. It means to be healthy or to heal. It's the same word, right? It says that water is going to be healed when it comes in contact with the river of life. With the river of water that comes out from under the temple. 
When it touches the dead water, it makes things alive. And that's what happened there. Look at verse 10. It says, fishermen will stand beside the sea from the Engedi to Inaglame. And what that's saying is one side of the Dead Sea to the other. Right? It's saying the whole thing. It will be a place for the spreading of nets. And then look at this. It says, its fish will be of very many kinds. Now, back in verse 9, it said there's going to be very many fish. But here in verse 10, it says there are going to be fish of very many kinds. So it's not just going to be a lot of fish. It's going to be a lot of different fish, of all kinds of fish. And he makes a comparison there. He says, like the fish of the great sea. Do you know what the great sea is, what he's talking about? The Mediterranean. Yeah, you got it. Good. Uh, was that you, Isaiah? Good job. Oh, mom. All right. Good job, mom. <laughs> good job, mom. That's the Mediterranean. So he's saying the Dead Sea is going to be like the Mediterranean when the river of life touches it. But look at verse 11. It says, but its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. And honestly, I couldn't figure out exactly what that meant. But one thing people said about that is, one, is that you still need the salt because it's still impactful. It still brings a preservative. And so there needs to be some kind of um, salt um, kept so that you can use that. So then look at verse 12. Now we're going to get back to the trees. And on the banks on both sides of the river, can you picture this? This is probably a beautiful picture, isn't it? It says they'll grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither. This is taking it all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 and chapter 2. Nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. He's reminding you again where it comes from. It's coming from what source? Sanctuary, from the temple, from God. Their fruit will be for food. And then look at this. Their leaves will be for healing. So that's the vision. Now, remember one thing I said was, all right, well, what would that have meant to the people then? What would that have meant to those people that have been in exile all of their lives? What, did, what would that have meant for Ezekiel where all of his ministry, all of his adult life, he's also been in exile? And now he hears this vision of a renewed temple that has a river of life that flows out of it, how do you think they would have responded? You know what, I'm guessing it probably would have made some of them cry. You know why? Because maybe some of them looked at their situation and they're like, God's given up on us. God's forgotten about us. Maybe they've been under injustice and oppression and they've been like, well, God, God's forgotten about us. Maybe God is not a just God or righteous God after all. Maybe God doesn't care about us. Or maybe for some of them, they're like, you know what? I'm in this predicament because of my own sin. Surely God is not going to come and have mercy and grace on me. But this picture would say, oh, yes, he does. You say, but you don't know what I did, but God is gracious. But you don't know where I've been, but, but God is merciful. You don't know what's going on with me, but God is powerful. You don't know where I've been, but God does. And he loves you. And he's merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That's who he is. And so they might have had some hope to say, you know what? Maybe God hadn't forgotten about us. Anybody ever feel like they've been forgotten by God? Anybody ever feel like, oh, God's going to give favor to somebody else? 
but not me with what I've done and what I've been through. Well, right there, he says, yes, I will. He does it to them. He's the source. What about the size? As you're reading through some of those other prophets, there were times when they said, you know what? They're going to be cut down in God's discipline and they're going to become a stump. But then in those prophets like Isaiah, one of the things it'll say is that stump is going to grow up. It might be little now, but it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's going to grow up and be bigger than everybody else. And so they might have looked and said, you know what? We might be a stump right now, but God is with us and he's going to grow us and make us become greater than everything and everybody all around us because he's able to do immeasurably more than all we might ask or imagine through his power. That was true back then. It was true in Ephesians day. It's true right now. So that's what the signs would have told him. What about the saving power? It's really wild. If you keep reading that next chapter, it starts talking about them going back to the land. And what it's saying and what it's picturing is this river of life is bringing cleansing to all of that land so God can bring you home and bring you back again. And this God who's able to make the sea, the dead sea come back to life, guess what? He's also able to make dead people come back to life. He's able to take broken people and heal them. He's able to take lost people and find them. He's able to take dead people and make them alive. He's able to take people walking in darkness and bring them into the light. All through his power. So that's what it would have meant for them. That would have been good news. Well, let's get ready to go home now. Or oh, we have dinner coming up, right? Oh, wait, there's one more thing I forgot. I forgot. What is it going to mean for us? Right, y'all want to hear that part? The chicken's going to wait. It'll be there in just a moment. It'll be all right. Let's just take a moment and look at that. What does this vision of the river mean for us? What about the source? Who's the source again? What does that mean for us? What is that saying to us? Where is our life? Where is our power going to come from? It's going to come from God. If you put up that next verse, that, um, that John 7. There you go. Thank you. Jesus is talking. He says, on the last day of the feast, that great day, he stood up and he cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of this heart will flow rivers of living water. Did you hear that today? He goes on to say it's through the spirit of God. You know, I don't know if y'all know this. There was an old song that says, I've got a river of life that's flowing out of me. It makes the lame to walk and it makes the blind to see. It opens prison doors and sets the captives free. I've got a river of life, it says, flowing out of me through the spirit of God. You know, maybe there's somebody here. Maybe there's somebody that's watching online that doesn't know him yet. And you're wondering, how can I have that hope? I want that river of life for me. How can I have that? Well, I'm glad you asked that I'm in your mind. But <laughs> because Jesus was talking with a person just like that who was wondering the same thing. You can put up that verse from John chapter 4. And he's talking to a woman who, would the song say, I'm looking for love in all the wrong places. Right? That was her story. And that's some of our story, isn't it? But look at what he said. He said, Jesus 
said, everyone who drinks of this water, talking about water from that well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And he offers you that promise today through faith in him, through faith in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. He's the source. What about the size? What can we take away from that? And I say to us as a church plan, don't be discouraged about being small right now. Because this is the way that God loves to work. You say, what you talking about? Well, look, look at the next slide. Jesus gives this analogy in Matthew 13 about the kingdom of God. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed. Anybody ever seen a mustard seed? It's kind of small, ain't it? It's tiny. That a man took and sowed it in the field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it's larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. So don't be ashamed about being small. It's all right. Let's continue to be faithful to the things that God has called us to do, and let's watch and see what God does. One of the things I was thinking about with that, that picture I had of the the water going out and flowing through all of those streets is something in my mind. I just started to think about, you know what? Maybe God is preparing us. He's preparing us for who's coming, right? He's preparing us for more and more people from this West End and outside of the West End to come and be a part of what God is doing here. And he's been preparing us right, in the way that we've been structuring ourselves and thinking about things and very well to be able to receive the people that God sends. And so a couple things I say to us. One, we need to love each other well, right? 2023, many of you, you're like, man, praise God for 2023. But many of you are like, I'm glad it's over because it was a horrific year. We had horrific losses here in this church body. And so I say to us, we need to love each other well as we continue to walk together through the pain and struggle and suffering that we've all been through. And we also need to love the people that God is going to bring here as we're trying to be in and of and for the West End. So don't be worried because it's small. And lastly, what about that saving power? What does that have to say to us? Well, guess you know what? God is still in the business of doing reversals. You know, there's a song, um, I think we've done it here before. It's called Graves in the Gardens. Do you know that? You know that song? There's a part in there that I like, and it talks about God being a God who does reversals, right? It says he takes mourning and he turns it into dancing. He gives beauty in place of ashes. He turns shame into glory. And then there's a part that says, you're the only one who can. And then it keeps on going. It says, you turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. And we give you praise because you're the only one who can. Maybe somebody's story. You know today that God takes lost people and he finds them. God takes dead people and he makes them alive. God takes broken people and he puts them back together. God takes wounded people and he heals them. 
Do you believe that today? Oh, if he did it for them, can you believe that God will do it for you? If he did it for them, won't he do that for you? Guess who he's going to make fishers of men? Remember the fishermen out there throwing out the nets? Who you think that is? That's us. That's us. How does the Spirit of God go out? How does it go out? And go into the homes and all the places through his people. Through us. As we're in and of and for the West End. And y'all remember that those maps? You remember the maps and you put where you work and where you live on there? You remember that? That's where the river is flowing. That's where the Spirit of God is going. The place where you live, the place where you work, the place where you go to school. The river of life is flowing through you, in and of and for the West End, but everywhere where God sends his people. And what do we have to look forward to? The last verse, Revelation 22. I'm sorry, I'm taking too long. Revelation 22. Last verse, I promise. Last verse, Jeremiah. I'm serious. I mean it. I mean it this time. <laughs> you don't believe me. That's all right. Then the angel, Revelation 22 now. It says, the angel showed me the river of the water of life. Brightest crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also, and on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Do you see how that vision expanded? It's not just healing for Judah. It's not just healing for Israel. But it's healing for all the nations through the river of life, working through the people of God who are filled with the Spirit of God. And you say, Pastor, I want to believe that. But how is it going to happen? Is it because of, of your ingenuity, Pastor? Well, I hope not. Probably not. It's going to be through the one that Ezekiel talked about. Is the greater David and the greater shepherd. It's the one that Isaiah talked about and said he's the suffering servant of the Lord. It's through the one that Genesis wrote about. That's the seed of the woman who's going to crush the head of the serpent. It's through the one Revelation says is the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. The lily of the valley and the bright and morning star. The lamb and the lion. Jesus Christ is the one who brings this vision to fruition in the West End in your life. He's got a river of life flowing out of this place through the streets of this neighborhood and every place where he sends you. Let's pray. Thanks for listening and God bless.